This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. You're listening to our current Sunday morning series, Who Are We? So open your Bible, if you will. Uh, Let's start off in the Gospel of John. The last several weeks I have been in what I would call a topical series as we are looking at who we are. The opposite of a topical series is when you're in the book of the Bible. So uh, because of the topical nature of it, I I know that we are in different parts of Scripture. And so the last couple of weeks even I've tried to be very intentional about providing those references to you. Because believe it or not, it is difficult to be a pastor. Even though I know I'm meaning to say something, sometimes it comes out different. Have you ever noticed that? That sometimes John is not John, it comes out Matthew. And so you're in Matthew, I'm in John, and it gets all confusing. So I'm trying to do a better job of letting you know where the Word is, because I want you to turn there. I want you to have your copy of Scripture and to find God's Word, and we can look at what God's Word has for us. Well, we've been looking at, who are we? Who are we? Looked at... The idea that we are starting out big picture, we are Baptists. What does it mean to be a a Baptist? It is important. I I keep saying this. There are going to be more people in heaven than just Baptists. But there's a great history of the Baptist church and who we are and, and why we are who we are and what we believe. I think that is the utmost importance to me of understanding that there is a difference between different churches Uh, Different churches believe different things about non-salvific issues, meaning of other than what it means to be saved. But I think it's important that wherever we are going to church that we understand what this church believes, why it believes, and what it's about. So we are Baptists. And so we've been looking at, and this is actually our, our last point of what it means to be a Baptist and what it means to be Southern Baptist. We have looked at, at many of those. And so the last thing is this. We are Baptists. We are Southern Baptists. We are Great Commission Baptists. One of the things that started the the birth of the Southern Baptist Convention, I have some information in the order of service in 1845, was that all that was going on in our country, the the division between the North and the South, and all that, one of the things that, that led to the creation of the Southern Baptist Convention was because of the issue of slavery and how the nation was divided, that the Northern Baptists were sending out more missionaries than the Southern Baptists because there was such a division of our country. It was almost like that the Southerners were overlooked. And the Southern churches were very, very excited and wanted to be very intentional about doing mission work. And so they realized that this is an unreconcilable difference. Let's disagree to disagree. And so in 1845 in Augusta, Georgia, it began to be the birthplace of the Southern Baptist Convention. And even though our country was greatly divided over things that they should have never been divided on and there had been repentance and we have moved on as a nation over those things, the heart of the issue was missions. And so here's what I want to think about. We're going to talk about missions today very quickly, but I want to think about this. I do this all the time. I'm asking you to do something, but I don't want you to do it, okay? Stand up. Now, don't, I'm asking you to do it, but don't do it. Stand up if you would be willing to fund a full-time missionary couple in Europe starting today. So I want you to stand up. If you can write a check for, let's say, health insurance, travel, all that it would take to be a missionary in Europe, let's just start off at $70,000. If you can write me a check for $70,000 today so that we can have a missionary just any country in Europe, would you stand up right now and we'll get an usher to run to you as quick as they can. All right. Stand up if you'd be willing to say, you know what, I can't do that this week, but next week I'm all in. What if I said this, though? What if I said, how many of you, you can raise your hand on this. You don't have to stand up, but you can raise your hand. How many of you would be willing to take part in some great commission giving and be willing to admit, I can't give everything, but I can at least give something? That is the Southern Baptist Convention on missions. 
Last week, we realized that we are self-governing. We don't have a, a boss that tells us what to do, how to give, who to support, what to teach, who to hire, who to fire. We don't have that. We're Southern Baptist. Yes, we are a denomination, but each individual church. Last Sunday night was a great example. We, we discussed and we talked and we had a business meeting. It was congregational-led and supported. It's not top-down leadership. It is us. We're all in this together. That's what makes the Southern Baptist so wonderful. If you notice from those statistics, there's 15 million. Now, I always think that's funny. We don't know where they are, but there's 15 million Southern Baptists running around somewhere. I don't even know if they know where their church is, but there's 15 million Southern Baptists running around somewhere. There are 46,000 churches. Here's what is so neat about that. 46,000 churches across the world have said this. We all are going to work together for great commission giving. You notice on the handout or on the, on the order of service, we have the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board. Our convention is divided up into two mission identities, international and North American. Sharon and I were North American missionaries for those 10 months in Minnesota. And so we were literally funded and had our support as North American missionaries through the Southern Baptist Convention. You'll notice there are some statistics. If you go to those websites, there are some things that you will begin to see, but you'll also notice on, on the order of service, we have about 4,800 international missionaries. Of those 4,800 international missionaries, they receive their funding from us. They don't raise their support. We don't want them to raise their support. We want them to do ministry. If they're having to raise their support, they can't do ministry. We want them to do ministry. So there's a, a strenuous test to be a, a, an international missionary. There's a theological test. There's a physical test. There's a mental test. They, they interview you. They interview your family. It is a special calling. And as Southern Baptists, we know we need to be accountable with that calling. And, and we have got 4,800 missionaries serving all over the world. In the North America alone, we have around 5,600 missionaries. Now, here's the thing to remember about that. There's not more missionaries in America than overseas. A lot of those missionaries do not receive their funding from churches. If you're a, a, a chaplain at a hospital and the hospital pays your salary, uh, to be a chaplain in those settings, a lot of times you need to be endorsed. And so we have a lot of chaplains that are endorsed by the North American Mission Board. They are endorsed by us. They are one of us that we are sending out into the workplace and they receive their, their pay, so to speak, from their employer. The military chaplains. We have several thousand military chaplains that are Southern Baptist chaplains serving in the military. They receive their pay from the military. They're commissioned from the military. They're ranked from the military. They are part of the military. But they are endorsed by the Southern Baptist Convention. And the Southern Baptist Convention has sent them out to be missionaries in, in the military. But here's what's so neat. Uh, just this past week, I get, a, I get a letter from one of our seminaries, and it says, Do you know this person? This person is considering coming to our college. Would you recommend this person to go to our college? Isn't that neat? There's one common denominator, one of the many common denominators, but the main common denominator in all of our missionaries, all of our students in colleges and seminaries that are Southern Baptist, there's one common element that is crucial, and it is the first step, and without that first step, it doesn't happen, the local church. Every military chaplain that's serving right now has a church on file that says, he's one of ours, we're sending them out. Every student on a Southern Baptist college and seminary has a, in their file, so to speak, a Southern Baptist church that says, this one is ours. We're sending him to you. Local churches partnering together to do something together that we could never do alone. Every dollar we put in that offering plate, some stays here, some stays there, but eventually part of that goes to our missionaries. The missionary offerings we take up in, the, in Easter and Christmas all goes to missionaries. I also want you to look at the, the, this website. We have the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, but we also have the Florida Baptist Convention. I want you to write that website down, and I want you to go look at the Florida Baptist Convention and all the great things that are going on in the life of, of the Florida Baptist Convention. So one way you could think about the way that Southern Baptists are set up, we see the importance of churches working together. So it starts off at the smallest unit as a local church. So we have a local church. 
Then there's a, a cluster of churches that we call an association. We are part of the Orange Blossom Association, and we have a, a, a group of churches in Highlands County and Hardy County and other some a couple of churches in Southern Polk County, but mainly it is Hardy and Highlands County. So we have our church, we have the Orange Blossom Association. Then we go a, a little ring further. We have the Florida Baptist Convention, and then we have the Southern Baptist Convention. It is all about churches coming together to do together that we could never do alone. And that doing is the Great Commission. You remember in Matthew's Gospel, it says that Jesus told the disciples, you need to go and make disciples. And the idea is, is that the local church is, is a launching pad for that, whether it's local or international or global. However we look at that, it is the local church that is a launching pad for doing that. I believe as we look at this local church, I believe we do it by supporting our missions. As a Southern Baptist church, we support missions. We support what we do globally uh, to get the gospel out. As we look at supporting, I think we do it financially. I think we do it practically. I use the word practically, and I'll explain that. And we do it prayerfully. Missionaries need support financially. Missionaries need support practically. You know, sometimes a missionary just needs something. You ever thought about that? There's a church plant somewhere. They, do, they need something. What do they need? They need a sound system. A lot of people don't think about that. They need a pulpit. They need something to sit on. That, that's practically. We come together and we, we, we financially give and we, we give of our, our time and talent and treasures. We're giving to help support. So we give financially, we give practically, but we also give prayerfully. We pray for our mission. That's one of the things about Southern Baptists. We want you to know who our missionaries are. We pray for one another. We pray for our missionaries. For those involved with our Wednesday night prayer ministry, we have a calendar every week and we're praying for our missionaries on their birthday. We're praying for them by name. We're praying for them by region. We're praying for God to strengthen them and to use them and encourage them and give them protection and yet give them boldness. We support them. No, we may not see our missionaries because they don't come back and raise support. That is one of the drawbacks of that. But would you rather them being here meeting us or would you rather leave them there doing gospel work? I'd rather leave them there doing gospel work. But we support missionaries. They say that, that if, you, if you think about the, the average size of a church, that the, the, the church, that the average size of a church is about 100 or so uh, in, in attendance in the Southern Baptist Convention. So if you're over 100 or so in attendance, you're a larger church by, by based on that average. And so that encourages me because I begin to think there's no church too small that we cannot help one another do missions. There's no individual family so small that we cannot help others do missions. We support one another. We equip one another. We send one another. We go as one another. Everything we do as a church is about the Great Commission and seeing the kingdom grow and see the kingdom expanse. But that's just the start. And I want us to spend the majority of our time in the Word of God when we think about missions, because we need to think about this. Everything we do, when we think about doing ministry, everything we do, we need to get this right. It doesn't matter what we do if we don't get the gospel right. It doesn't matter what we're doing if we do not get the message right. If we don't get the message right, then it doesn't matter what we do. We could have a thousand missionaries in every city in the country, but if we don't get the message right, what are we doing? We live in a day and age, we don't even know what the gospel is. We look in a day and age where you could just go and do a, a poll of people. What is the gospel to you? What does it mean to be saved to you? How does someone get to heaven today? And it would be absolutely crazy. We can talk about missions. We can talk about the Great Commission. We can talk about everything. But I'm so thankful that Southern Baptists understand this. If we don't get the gospel right, it's not right. 
Here's a great example. What if we were to go to a foreign country that had no pure water in it and we decided we're going to send teams and we're going to put a, a well in every city in a nation of, of a village in Africa and we're just going to put fresh water and we're, we've got teams and we spend thousands of dollars and we, we go into these countries and we put fresh water and we, we just do it and we, all we talk about is First Baptist Church, the church of fresh water. And we've got villages full of fresh water. But if we don't ever share the gospel, what good is it? We can sing medical teams. We can do social services. We can feed the hungry, feed the poor, feed, stop human trafficking. We can meet all these needs in the world. But if we don't ever share the gospel, what good is it from a salvific standpoint? The Great Commission says to go and do what? If you don't get this right, we're going to stay till we get it right. Go, what is the Great Commission? Go and do what? Make disciples, a saved person learning to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Here's a disciple, someone that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, someone that is growing in their life as Jesus Christ their Savior. So if a saved person says, I'm going to heaven when I die, and they're not involved in church anywhere, is that a disciple? No, that's someone we don't know is saved. Now that sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? If someone claims to be a believer and there's nothing in their life that looks like a believer, I don't know if they're saved. Our goal is to make disciples, someone that has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, someone that is growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the key, that is involved in a local church living out the Great Commission. If they're not living out the Great Commission in a local church, they're not a disciple. A disciple is a group of people that are gathering together, loving Christ, following Christ, proclaiming Christ, and sharing Christ with the world. That is a disciple. What we do is we get to the head and then we move on. Do you believe this? Yes. Do you understand this? Yes. Do you understand that? Good. Go. We move on. That's not it. Anybody have children around here? You know, I never forget that. Honey, I'm pregnant. Yes. I'm waiting on the grandchild call, by the way. Yes. Then for like nine months, it's just, you know, all that goes on there, and first part of the nine months is really fun. Then toward the end, it gets kind of it gets a little weird at the last part. That's when dads need to really be sweet. Then we go to the hospital. Yes! Call the grandparents. Everybody's mobilized, especially for the first child. Second child, nobody even cares anymore. First child, everybody's mobilized. We have the baby. Look, look at the baby. Oh, my goodness. We take the child home, we set up the nursery, we put him in the nursery. We go, well, that was fun, let's move on to another one. No, it's really only beginning. And I've been told this, and now I get it. It doesn't stop. I thought empty nest, it was over. No, 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 it's just more expensive now. It's like a boomerang. They keep coming back. It's never over raising a child, is it? Then why is it that when it comes to salvation, we say a prayer, we say a fact, we go on a church roll, and, and you know, I've said this before, and I'm trying to be positive about it, 1,200 church members, where are they? Here's another question, do we care? Some of us have gone to church with people in this building that have professed Christ and we haven't seen them in 50 years and we're going, I don't know where they are. Why don't we know where they are? Christ said, go and make disciples. That life is not over until they go to glory. My life as a disciple is not over until I go to glory. We got to get that right. We proclaim the gospel. We encourage people to respond. And then we continue to invest in them through their whole spiritual life. That's Great Commission Ministries. We can stand out here. I, I was thinking about it earlier this morning. I think there's three things that need to be apparent in, in evangelism, especially in the local church. Presence, proclamation, and persevering. And they all had to have the same first letter. 
giving out candy on the sidewalk. That's just a presence. Here we are. Candy, candy, cup, corn. Here we are. That's not evangelism. That's just a, a part of it, a presence. We're just here. We love our community. It's positive. We're here. That's good. But then there also needs to be segments of proclamation. We're here. This is what it means to be saved. This is what it means to know that you're a believer of Jesus Christ. But then the third element is, is perseverance. Helping that person live out that Christian life. Not just winning people to the Lord. Seeing people accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and helping them grow in it. So we need to be a, a church that has a presence, that we're doing things to build a bridge in the community. We need to be a church that is proclaiming the gospel to a world that needs to hear. We need to be a church that is helping people receive the gospel. And, and it's not a get-out-of-hell-free card, check the box, make a decision, we move on to somebody else. That is a child of God and part of our body. And we're helping them grow in their relationship to the Lord daily. And the way that we do that is through the ministries of a local church church southern baptists we are great commission baptists we are great commission churches working together to get the gospel out i wrote some words down this morning ism words can be very confusing can't they you ever heard those all those isms i went to seminary i didn't know there was a such word all the isms i didn't know what the isms were until i went to school there's some isms in our world today when it comes to ministry and missions one is pluralism. Now, these are, these are legitimate. People believe these, okay? We're doing missions, but if we don't get the gospel right, we're missing it. Pluralism says this. There are many paths to God. There are many ways that you can get to God. doesn't mean you're going to get there, but you at least can get there. This rule of thought would say this. As long as they do it with all of their heart, who are we to say it's wrong? A Buddhist has their God, a Islam has their God, a Hindu has their God. All these people have their God. We have our God. It'd be like looking at a map of a city, and you've got a perimeter, and all the roads come into it. And the idea is there are many paths to God. There, a lot of people believe that. Pluralism. You just do it your way. Who are we to say it's right or wrong? And there are many paths to God. Doesn't have to be Christ. Doesn't have to be the Christian message. And it, at the end of the day, it could lead to God. That's pluralism. Another ism is inclusivism. Christ paid the way, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have faith in Christ. That Christ did die on the cross, but it doesn't have to be through faith in Christ to be saved. It's kind of the idea that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of people and that just because of that, people will be in heaven. If they're good people, they step out of their little cave somewhere and they know there's something else out there in and of themselves. They, they, they'll go to heaven and say, Jesus, go, oh, yeah, that's the, yeah, that explains it, and they go to heaven. Well, that sounds kind of sweet, doesn't it? But it's false. Can you imagine telling the early church that, hey, Jesus paid it all, just kick back and don't do anything. We don't have to tell anybody a word. Exclusivism is what I would call biblical Christianity. That Jesus did die for the sins of people. But it is only through faith in Jesus Christ that someone is saved. And if we didn't believe that, why would we have missionaries? If we don't have to share the gospel with somebody, why would we need missionaries? The whole idea is simply this, that it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that someone is born again. And I say that out loud. Doesn't that just make sense? I can only be born again when I repent of my sin and place my faith in Christ. How are they going to know unless I tell them? How are they going to know unless we send someone to tell them? It is all about Christ. If we do not get the gospel right, then we lose everything. It's so disheartening when you hear people stand on the platform of religion and they say, who are we to say? It is for us to say. That's why we're the church. 
What would be the most popular thing to do? Just believe however you want to believe. Let's just all get along, and God will sort it all out at the end. Would that be the easiest thing to say? Sure, it would be the easiest thing to say. Do you think Jesus died on the cross for that which is easy or that which is right? My wife is a teacher. Do you know what I tell her every day? Every day she goes, she gets mad when I talk about it, but she's in the nursery today. Every day she comes home, I said, honey, give everybody a C one the week. Just see them out. Start getting a couple of calls from parents and bump them up to an A. Then the next week, give them all, she just looks, can you imagine the look I get? I said, that'd be the easiest thing to do, right? She said, but it wouldn't be the best thing. It wouldn't be the right thing to do. And that's a, kind of a family joke because she teaches English. So guess what she has to do? Grade every paper. You get an A, you get an A. You get a B, you get a B. You get a C, you get a C. You get a D, you get a D. It is what it is, right? And that, that's the right thing to do, isn't it? Amen? So is the right thing to do to tell somebody, apart from saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will spend an eternity in a place called hell, completely separated from the love of God. Is that the right thing to tell somebody? It is the right thing and the only way we can tell somebody. How sad to know we know what the gospel is and we never share it or care that anybody ever hears it. I want everybody to get along, but I want everybody to get along at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. If we don't get the gospel right, we miss missions. That's just an activity. Three things we have to get right. One, this is going to be a real shocker to you. We got to get Jesus right. Look at those verses there. Look at John 3.16. You familiar with that passage of Scripture? John 3.16. Jesus is the only way. Narrow? Yes, it's narrow. Exclusive? Yes, it's exclusive. But it's so narrow, Jesus was willing to die on a cross for it. It is so narrow that the disciples gave their life for it. John 3.16. You think of the condition of the world, the same condition the world is in now. For God so loved mankind. For God so loved the world, not like the earth. Mankind. God is a God of all creation. He created everything that we see, God has a right to. Everything that we look at, everything that is out there, everything that we see, God owns. Going through stuff, it reminds me moving. That's mine. You know, we have a kind of possessive mind. I think about your sweet little children in the nursery. You ever notice you don't have to teach a child how to be selfish? I know that you don't believe me. Let, what, go, you know, put a little hidden camera in our nursery. You, y'all, sweet little children, grandchildren, mine, 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 ah, biting, clawing. That's still one of the most awkward things I deal with. Pastor, that child bit my child. Okay, stop biting each other. Just huh. God says in a very different way, mine, mine, everything in it, mine. Who are you to say that God is who he says he is? Mine. For God so loved his that he sent his only son. His only begotten Son. Through Christ. Mankind, through Christ, that whosoever, 
Whoever believes, that, that personal relationship, that individual calling on the name of the Lord, that individual realizing there's a point in a time that there's a great division and, and separation between man and God, it's only then that they believe that they should not perish but have eternal life. Notice verse 17, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Why does the word say that, that he did not send Jesus in the world to condemn the world? Because the world was condemned already. So I, I try to tell people, <laughs> God doesn't send people to hell. We're already going there. We forget that. God would not send somebody to hell. No, we're all going there. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. We all are going. There's a problem since Adam and Eve that were born in the, in the image of man, were born separated from God. We're all, humanity is going to hell. Humanity apart from Christ is going to hell. What makes the gospel the good news is that we repent of our sin and place our faith in Christ and we become one with Christ. It's, it's not like that we're all just kind of sitting there and, well, God hadn't made up his mind. Well, everyone's going to hell apart from Christ. Is that, that doesn't sound very nice, does it? But that's why the fall is so terrible and that's what makes the gospel so great. Humanity is going to hell. Humanity is separated from God. Humanity is dead in their trespasses and sin. We were blind. We were dead. But God so loved mankind, he sent his son as a savior that we can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. John fourteen six. As he was making his way to the cross, notice what Christ himself said. Jesus said to them, I am the way, I'm the truth, and the life. I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, here's the great thing about the Word of God. If the Word of God says it, we believe it, right? And I don't mean that in an angry, bitter way, because I've always said the Bible is not a, a weapon of mass destruction, and we beat people over the head with it. But it, it ought to motivate us to live for Christ, to share Christ, to be an example for others, to believe the gospel, to live out the gospel. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except who? Through me, through Christ. There is no other way other than through Christ. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Some religions, some people believe that Christ is an option, that he is a, a real historical figure. He might even have been a, a prophet. Look at Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20. He is. Who is he? Christ. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. When we talk about the lordship of Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. He's King Jesus. He's a warrior. He's a lion and a lamb. He is our Savior. He rules and sustains, and He is head of all. We've talked about our, our church. Christ is the source. Christ is the head of the church. We are His. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Do, do, we, do we put Him on the same level term as a, a prophet, an Allah? No, it is Christ our creator, our sustainer. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in everything, he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, through Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. The gospel. Jesus is the only way. Secondly, the gospel is the only way. Now, sometimes we blur images with this. I, 
I'll give an example. This is something that just has weighed heavy on my heart for about almost 20 years. I've been a pastor for 20 years. Maybe the first year it didn't weigh heavy on my heart. What is the gospel? I thought about this, and Matt and I were talking this past week about the Noah Fall Festival, and I I shared with him an experience I had about a a carnival, a a festival-type setting, a fair. That's a good job, fair. And there was an evangelistic tent at this fair. And so, you know, you're walking by the tent, and it's like something about Jesus and salvation, and it had a a big wooden box out there. And it says, come look in the box. I'm nosy. I want to look in the box. So I walk over there, and I look in the box, and there's this glow-in-the-dark skull. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're going to hell when you die. Do you know you're going to heaven when you die? Uh, and I looked at him and said, yeah. How do you know? Look in the box again. Ah. Good gracious. I, I'm a, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I know I'm a believer. How do you know? Because I've read of my sins. Honey, go to the car, go to the car, go to the car. That's not the gospel. Ah. Y'all get that? That'll scare you? Y'all going to heaven? Lord, if that was the case, I'd have boogeyman's flying around here all the time. That's not the gospel. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? That's not the gospel. Do you believe in Jesus? That's not the gospel. There are parts of the gospel i tell you something else is not the gospel. You want to go to heaven when you die? Yes. You sure? Yes. You believe this, believe this, believe this, believe this, believe this? Yes. You want to go to heaven when you die? Close your eyes and repeat that to me. Do you believe that? Yeah. Did you say that? Yeah, yeah. You're saved. Is that the gospel? It depends on what somebody said. It's like we've taken the gospel and we've tried to, I mean, you could, you could, I love being Baptist, and Baptists, we love evangelism, but one of our dangers being evangelism, something that always gets preachers, or lay people as well. How to share the gospel in 10 minutes and get results. Oh man, we've got to do that. Yes, that's the missing link. I get ads all the time from, from outside sources, not Southern Baptists. How to double your church in six months or your money back. Wow. That's what we haven't been doing. Think about that for a minute. It's not the presentation. It's the content. It's not quick, snappy, to the point, colorful, illustrative, scare them, love them, get them. It's the content. That's what makes the gospel, is it not? Look at 1 Corinthians 15. It's almost like we're ashamed to get to the gospel. It's like we want to be so less offensive and so this and so that. Get to the gospel. It's great news, by the way. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance of what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scripture, verse 14, that he was buried and that he rose on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul is saying, remember the gospel I preached to you, that Christ died for your sins and he rose again on the third day? He's talking about the gospel. Something we need to remember when we get to the gospel, and I heard this years ago, I still remember our evangelism professor at Florida Baptist saying, if you want to get the gospel right, you've got to have four elements in it. And I believe this. If you want to get the gospel right, if you want to know you're presenting the gospel, clearly there needs to be four elements within that. One is God. You've got to get God right. God is holy. He is righteous. He is just, and he is the creator of the universe. You've got to take people back to Genesis. He is God. 
He's not the good old man upstairs. He's not grandpa sitting in a rocker. He's God and he's worthy of our worship and our praise and adoration. He's holy and righteous and just. He is loving and merciful, but fair and just. He is holy. Secondly, man. It's easy to remember, God, man. I have a problem. John Beck had a problem. Because of his sin, I'm saying past tense because I'm saved now, because of my sin, I was separated from a holy God. Problem wasn't God. He's always been God. He's always been consistent. He's always been loving. He's always been just. He's always been fair. He's always been God. John was the problem. For the wages of sin are death. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. John was the problem. I was separated from God. I could have been standing on one end of the, the Grand Canyon. There's no way I could get across. God is here. John was there. And there was great separation. The third element, Jesus. God sent his son to die on a cross for sin. And whosoever should call on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Not religion. Not do you want to get out of hell. Not do you want to join the church. Not you need to be baptized. But whoever repents of their sin and places their faith in Jesus Christ and Savior and Lord will be saved. That is the gospel. It's not trying to trick them into it. It's not trying to be as sweet as we can be. It's not trying to get somebody to realize or recite these words. It's not about, it's like we're trying to just water it down so bad or we're trying to scare them into something. It's about there's a holy, righteous God, there's a sinful man, and that Jesus Christ came and paid the penalty for our sin. Fourth element of the gospel. Respond. Have you repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ and in Christ alone? By grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Place your faith in Christ alone. What will you do with the gospel, in other words? God is holy, righteous, just, fair, merciful. And we were sinfully separated from God. But Jesus Christ came and died on a cross for our sin. That so whosoever repent of their sin and place their faith in Christ shall be saved. How will someone respond? We think about heaven and hell. You know why somebody goes to, is, is going to hell? Because they rejected Christ. They're separated from God. They never responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you look at all the dynamics of, of the gospel, when you think about all the, all the churchy words we use, justification, sanctification, glorification, we think about predestination, we think about election, we think about God's role in salvation, we think about our role in salvation, and we think about all the things that are going on that we'll never be able to truly understand this side of heaven. It really boils down to this. If you've never repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, you will spend an eternity in a place called hell. That's what we know very clearly. I know that God is saving. I know that God is drawing. But I also know that we are sharing the gospel. And I know that people are responding to the gospel. All those things that we'll never understand this side of heaven. One thing I do understand. If someone does not repent of their sin. And place their faith in Jesus Christ. They will be eternally damned. And separated from God for all eternity. That I do know. We shouldn't trick people into coming to Christ. We shouldn't try to be cute with the gospel. We, should, we don't put a skull in a box. We don't dress up like a clown and present the gospel. We don't get goofy with it. We don't get silly with it. We take it very serious. We're very pointed with it. We, we're very straightforward with it. We, we weep over people. We pray over people. And we clearly proclaim the gospel. Jesus, 
is the only way. The gospel is the only way. And then last, the church is the only way. There is no such thing as biblical Christianity apart from the church. This culture has gotten way away from that. There's no such thing as biblical Christianity apart from life in the church. There's no such thing as, well, I know I'm saved and I just, I'm this just between me and God. That is, no. Biblical Christianity is about knowing Christ and you're part of his body where he is the head. Biblical Christianity is about one another. We're in this together. There's a universal church, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord, but there's also the local church. The church. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 20. 2 Corinthians 5. I'll begin there in verse 14. Let me begin in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, compels us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who set their sake and died in rage. Talking about Christ dying for the sin of humanity. We need Christ. For now on there we regard no one according to the flesh. We look at people spiritually now. It's a kingdom thing. It's a gospel thing. All the, all the stuff people need is nothing. We sing about it. Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is the only cure to everything. A born-again life is the only thing that's going to fix people's finances, fix people's marriage. A born-again life is the only thing that's going to fix our country. We have to look at things differently. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us, uh, reconciled us to himself. And he gave us, he gave us what? A ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us and then he said, now you go and you bring the message of reconciliation. Who did he give that to? Everybody that calls on the name of the Lord. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as if God were making his appeal through us. Who is us here? Who's he writing to? The church. He's not writing to individuals. He's writing to the body of Christ. And he said, listen... The church is the issue. The church is the key. The church is the launching pad. The church is my presence. But how do we treat the church today? Uh, busy. Hey, y'all, y'all think, family, you think we ought to go to church today? Nah. I'm a Bulldog fan. I don't want to hear all that Gator stuff. Busy week. Maybe next week. (laughs) I know I'm a Christian. Why do I need the church? We go to church. Here's another one. We go to church. We sit. We listen. We give. We don't fellowship. We don't serve. We're not growing. We're not making a difference. See, what has happened, I, I will say that. I'm going to step out on a limb here. The problem with our nation is the church house, not the White House. Now, for those that just got mad, I'm going to pray for you because when you figure it out, you're going to repent. It's not the White House. What changed in America is Christians' view of church. We come here to worship God. We can go from a screen here to a screen there. We can open up the windows and make it a little brighter. We can freshen up the paint and buy new doorknobs and bring it into this century. And that's all important. We, need a, we can go into building programs and we can do this. That's nothing. This is about the Lord. 
And we have taken church and church membership and church commitment, and it's almost like, and I'm going to be real transparent here, I tell you, I've told my two boys, you better be sure you're called into ministry because you cannot do this in the flesh. Do you realize the burden pastors have in the ministry now? Pastor, the offering's low. What are you going to do? I don't know. i got to do something. So-and-so said they're not coming back to church. What are we going to do? Pastor so-and-so got mad. They went to church next town. So-and-so said you moved something in their classroom and they're never coming back again. And it becomes, you see what's happening? It's a burden. It's a burden. It's a burden. Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And it's crazy. You'll you'll worry yourself to death. You'll wear yourself out. And I think think out loud, really? It's four minutes after 12 and some of y'all are already mad. What if the rapture comes at 12.07? I'm at lunch with the Methodists. We do not have time for the rapture today. Church is not about us. We have turned the church into some marketing scheme. We're attractive. We can get them in here, get them in here, keep them, change, keep them happy. And we've turned church into a revolving door of what's in it for me. It's about him. That's why when we go into a church that gets it, we ought to be friendly and nice. And everything needs to be clean and in order. And the music ought to be good, and it's okay to have screens and windows. Those are we ought to be the we ought to be the most enjoyable thing people come to see. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I'm wondering about half of y'all look y'all about sick. Somebody ought to come into a church, and we ought to just knock them down with happiness. We ought to take our checkbook every week and, and you know, chat. I'm going to outgive. I'm going to see if I can't outgive God. I want to, I want to give all I can give so our church can make a difference. If they're going to, we're going to have a service, I'm going to be there. Why? Because it's my church. This is my Sunday school class. This is my worship service. That is my pastor. These are our deacons. That's my choir. This is my church. And bless God, we're going to make a difference in our city, in our state, in our nation. We got to get Christ right. We got to get the gospel right, but we got to get church right. We're asking God to bless something that we're not living out ourselves. I think America is the way that it is because we've done church the way that it is. It's still Christ's church. But you think about how we're all going to give an account by the way I lead it, the way we serve it, the way we minister in it. What makes Baptists great, we'll close with this, we are great commission Christians. We love the gospel. We're willing to say, Lord, wherever you lead me, I will go because we are, we are great commission Christians. and We make up a great commission church and we're part of a great commission convention. And yes, it is about me and my spiritual life and my willingness to be part of a church, but more than anything, it's about my desire to be part of something different that takes the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's not about me. It's about us. It's about him and them that do not know Christ.